Hello everyone, my name is Athena and welcome to Let's Talk Disability, my brand new podcast. So the way this is going to work is each episode I'll be talking about a brand new disability, focusing on the highs and the lows and everything about it. If you're interested in sticking along and joining the journey, make sure to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify and mintradio.com to find out more. So last week I was diagnosed with autism, something that I already thought I knew but I desperately needed clarification because I felt like I was not going to go through all my life not knowing if I had autism or if I didn't have autism and the support that I could get. So this brought me this brought me an idea that it could be the second episode of the podcast talking about autism with it being fresh in my mind and recently having the diagnosis. Autism is a spectrum disorder, so it's very hard to categorise it into one thing. Some people could be struggling quite difficult, some people may have it on the milder side. For me, I have quite mild autism. The doctor who did my diagnosis, in the letter he put that it was Asperger's, Now, I know that's a bit controversial. Some people have told me that they don't like calling it Asperger's because the person who it's named after isn't a very nice person, where other people don't really mind. So for the sake of this video, I have quite mild autism called Asperger's. And I was diagnosed late. I was diagnosed at the age of 23. And I think it was a tiny bit of denial, a tiny bit of not really having the knowledge, people not really picking up that I was autistic, that I did need the needs. I think a lot of it was brushed underneath the carpet as, oh, you got dyspraxia. But really, I feel more people making awareness of autism, you'll realise that you can have autism and dyspraxia two simultaneously. So the first thing I'm going to be doing is looking at the symptoms of autism. So you'll have to bear with me on this one. I'm underneath a blanket right now because the sound quality is shocking in here and this is the only thing that stabilises it. And I've only been diagnosed a week so I'm not 100% sure on what my symptoms are, how it affected me in my childhood. I'm only going off what I think I had from Google on what matches up with me. So that's just a little bit of a disclaimer here. So starting off, I'm going to be looking at delayed reaction and noise escalating. Now growing up, I always had a tendency to ask people what they meant in a way of what do you mean? And this caused people to think I had hearing issues. Now I think I mentioned it in my dyspraxia video, how with dyspraxia, there are elements there where I thought that delayed reaction occurred there. And I went for a hearing test and they said to me, no, people who are neurodivergent struggle with it. Honestly, the thought was to do with my dyspraxia. But recently I've been doing more research. I've been talking to people and I found that it's definitely more autistic related. And I don't know how to go around this. My mom always says to me the saying, how can we solve this? How can we make this better? And I always have to say to her, there isn't a way mom, not everything has to be made better, sometimes we just have to let things be, what will be will be and 
it does get a tiny bit annoying when my dad specifically he asks me a question and I say I don't know and then 10 seconds later I'm like figure out what he's saying I'm already thinking of a response in my head before he's repeating and I used to say I already heard you or yeah I know and before I had autism I didn't even blame it on my dyspraxia I just blamed it on it being a habit but it's not a habit I downplayed it I think now moving on to noise escalating this is something that has always affected me I didn't realize that it was affecting me I always thought this is how normal humans are the other day I went on to the train this is a true story and there were rowdy people there and drunks and all I could hear was loudness but it felt like rather than someone being two seats away it felt like they were shouting in my ear really really loudly and it felt like I just wanted to get a volume control button and just turn them off it gets really overwhelming certain noises which don't affect normal people just feel really escalated i've tried different techniques for example getting loop headphones or even just getting normal headphones but nothing really seems to work i find in them circumstances where i'm in a busy environment or i just need to relax and get rid of the natural noise when even numb it down nothing seems to work it more does the opposite it more brings up the sounds i can hear my footsteps i can hear my breath more for me personally it's just not very practical as it causes me more discomfort than actual use although i'm thinking of maybe getting soundproof headphones i think that's what they're called something where maybe it's a little bit more expensive maybe something for christmas but something where it'll give me a little bit more stability knowing that i'm not going to have a panic attack mentally or i'm not going to have a meltdown So moving on, I'm going to be talking about humour. Now, as an autistic dyspraxic person, humour's a bit, it's a bit up and down. Do I understand humour? Yes. I love humour. I mostly understand it well if it's spelt out to me, if it's a little bit vague. I don't know how to interpret it. Sometimes people are having a joke with me and I know they're having a joke but I don't know how to interpret it or I give the wrong reaction. With me, humour's like, if you're going to tell me a joke or give me a compliment in a jokey way, you have to make it obvious. In the past, I've been called dramatic or sensitive just because I've reacted badly to to humour or a joke. And I thought it was a personal attack or an insult on me. I remember going full into tears, full crying. People were shocked. And people, I could tell people were shocked because they were like, we're just having a laugh. And why is Athena crying thinking that is a personal attack on her? But to be honest, when I was younger, I didn't know any difference. I, I've taught myself that not to take things to heart, that sometimes people mean well, they don't mean to be attacking you if you feel like they are. With my friends and family, I've let them know to literally be brutal with me, whether what they're saying to me, rather than just beating around the bush, just say it to me. 
if it's a joke. So I'm going to take a short break where next I'll be talking about physical touch and how physical touch affects me. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you could subscribe on Apple Music or Spotify and let me know what you're enjoying about it. So I'm back. So the next thing I'm going to be talking about is physical touch. And what I mean by physical touch is people hugging you, people maybe stroking your hair, people just giving you a tap on the shoulder. For me, I hate it. If I'm close to you and I've accepted it in my mind that it is going to happen and I want it to happen, something in my brain switches off the hate and just love pours in. But if I'm not ready for a hug or say if I'm having a meltdown or I'm just calming down on my own, I really, really hate it. I sometimes go into a rage or I ask people not to touch me and people think it's weird. Growing up, I've always accepted that this is something that I may not like, but I'm going to just have to accept it. And I didn't realise that I was masking so much when I was younger. And when I got my diagnosis, even a couple of months ago, I started to think, no, I shouldn't mask. I don't really care if people don't like it if I say to them, no, I'm going to tell people not to touch my hair if I don't want to hug, not to hug me. I, I will do it politely, but sometimes people's reactions to it makes me a bit angry because they think it's something that I'm deciding not to do to be difficult, but I'm not. I think it was really hard for my family because it felt for them like, one second I was a huggy person and the next second I wasn't. But I think it's more than that. I think it's me realising that I'm done with masking. I'm done with pretending that I like being hugged all the time. No one has made me want to mask. It's just something where I see it as a norm in society and I feel like I have to do it. But I've recently realised that I don't. Now, something else that I struggle with, well, not really struggle with, it's a blessing and a curse, I would say, is feeling emotions deeply. Now, I have it on two levels. I have it on the level where if someone's telling me a story, I can feel the connection of their emotions or if someone is making me feel a certain way, I feel it so strong. And then in the second way is if a character on TV is embarrassed or something, I feel secondhand embarrassment and I physically have to switch off the screen. I was watching Grey's Anatomy the other day and there was someone who was just diagnosed with cancer and that's not secondhand embarrassment but I felt the emotion so deep that I just had to turn off the screen because I didn't know what to do with it. I could feel the pain that the guy was going through and Oh, it was it was it was horrible, but it was a sweet moment too. So moving on, I'm going to be talking about routine. Now, as an autistic person, I love routine. I don't think I'm so much textbook style with routine at being an autistic person, but I love just getting everything in line, what I'm doing for today, crossing it off. I think with me, as long as I get everything done for today, I'm fine, I'm sound. But if I miss something out or I'm late for an appointment, that's it. It's the end of the world. 
And it's made it hard because I've got a mum who's very spontaneous. Growing up, sometimes it was hard because my mum would make a plan and then she'd switch it and then she'd switch it again. Something that is in reasonable times. She'd give me like maybe a couple of hours to adjust. But for me, a couple of hours was not enough time to adjust. I need a couple of days to adjust. Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about before my break is stimming. Now, this isn't something that I do that much. I know I stim if I'm stressed out or I'm trying to concentrate on something. In a lot of online meetings, I tend to stim. And I don't have any stim toys because I didn't realise what I was doing was stimming. So I'd fiddle with my hands, I'd touch my hair, I'd just try and grab a pen, try and doodle, do anything to distract me. And if I can't and I'm still, it is absolute torture. I cannot tell you how much torture it is. So I'm going to take another break here where after I'll be talking about my difficulty processing information. So I'm back. So next I'm going to be talking about processing my thoughts and processing information. Now I don't know about you but I take a very long time to process information. I think that's why I have subtitles on a lot of things on the TV and radio shows. It takes me a few seconds just to grasp information. I think I talked about it in my dyspraxia podcast where I was in lectures and I really struggled to process the information there and the lecturer would talk and talk and talk and I would be thinking I can't do this and I think in a couple of lectures I ended up leaving it and I was like I'll just watch the recording I cannot do this. In real time where it's not my lectures and it's not anything to do with work where I can I try and get people to give me information one thing at a time so I can process it a lot easier so if they're giving me tasks I need to do don't just give me five tasks at once maybe just say do this and then come back for the next one or they write it down I know it's not really that practical in the past I've had if I've had people that are with me I ask them after what did they say or worst case scenario I just ask I just ask them to repeat or tell them that I'm neurodivergent and I need a little bit more support it's just strategies and coping mechanisms that I need to work on let me know if you have any advice for me or have any advice in general that may help anyone so now I'm going to be talking about imposter syndrome and growing up not knowing that I had autism and how it made me feel so I didn't really have too much imposter syndrome. I was diagnosed with dyspraxia when I was seven. I think I mentioned it in the last episode. So a lot of my autistic traits, I did put down to autism. But occasionally I would come across other dyspraxics and they would tell me that they didn't have this trait or I'd look on the internet and it wasn't there. So it would really make me think, am I dyspraxic? Is there something else? Or am I just weird? So it did bring a tiny bit of an imposter syndrome. I remember when I was younger, what was most prominent was the feeling of why can I hear 
a million conversations at once. I asked my family and my friends whether they could do hear that and they said no. So I put it down to I must have a superpower. I can hear loads of different conversations at once. I later realised that it was an autistic trait and I find it more annoying now than being a superpower. But I remember growing up there being plenty of times where I saw other dyspraxics just getting on with it, having great communication. And I would think, why aren't I like that? Why am I so different? Why do they get to have loads of friends that can communicate really well? And I'd wish that I'd been diagnosed earlier because the imposter syndrome really did hit me in certain areas like that. So moving on to talking about my journey with autism and how I finally came to the realisation that I probably was autistic. I mean I am autistic. I had a hunch that I was autistic about two years ago. So my mum went to a convention because she does property and there was a woman there and they were talking about their family, they were talking about their children and my mum was mentioning to the woman that I had real difficulty. Saying my emotions, regulating my emotions, I would have outbursts, I would just find life difficult in ways that wasn't autistic and my mum couldn't understand it, she was asking for advice and the woman was saying, I think she's been misdiagnosed, I think she's autistic. She told me about it and I did a little bit of research and I was adamant that I was autistic and I was saying to my mum, we need to go to the GP, we need to get it sorted out. So I think it was about a year ago when I finally went to the GP and I inquired about it and shockingly, they didn't know what to do. I think their exact exact words were, what do you want us to do about it? We have nowhere to send you. If you want to help yourself, the best course of action is to find somewhere, then come back to us. And I think that was a bit demoralising because I've worked myself up to a point where I think I have dyspraxia, but I think I have autism, sorry, but I just want some support in knowing which way to navigate myself. And for the GP to say they don't have a clue and we've got a better idea than them, when they're meant to be the professionals, it's a bit crazy, I think. So we didn't know what to do for ages. We were under the impression of maybe we should go private, but going private's a lot of money. We left it a year, and my mum found this woman. She did private consultations, but for a little bit less. So she's not a doctor, but she's someone who works a lot with autism. So we ended up going down that route, which actually took a lot less time. I think towards the end of it, she came to the conclusion that I am autistic. She said, I'm 99% sure you are autistic. You just need to send the information off to the doctor to get your final consultation consultation, and then you'll be diagnosed. There have been so many people along the way and in my journey who have helped me accept myself with autism and accept myself with having both autism and dyspraxia. I think some of the main people that have helped me the most have been people at uni. There's been people on Instagram who I've talked to who've got autism, who've 
also made me feel amazing. We talked about our processes together, how it affects us. And I think our differences, just as much as our similarities, really helped me understand that as much as we are the same, everyone is different and everyone's experience isn't the same. So if I feel maybe imposter syndrome or like I don't fit in, just knowing that I do fit in and other people have done the same journey and the same route as me. So I think that's everything here. I think I'm done. Thank you so much for watching this podcast. I can't believe I'm actually doing a podcast on autism. A year ago today, you told me I was going to be doing this. I wouldn't have believed you. Thank you so much for watching. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to tell me what you liked about it on Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you are. And I'd love it if you could subscribe too. It would really help support me and help my podcast to grow because I'm only a small podcast so far. So I'll see you guys next week in episode three where I'll be talking about the disability of Crohn's and colitis. I'll see you then. Bye.